Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are talking Marvel Unlimited Monday. You know, it. Uh, I'm sure I'm probably going to say this in the future and I may have said it on some prior uh, Marvel Unlimited Mondays, but Monday is turning into the new Wednesday. And, uh, and I've said before as well, Wednesday is turning into the new Friday in, um, in us comic book fans' eyes because uh, while most people today are drudging into work, um, they, got, they got sleep dust in their eyes and they, they can't figure things out, I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because I know that there is a pile of comics waiting for me on Marvel Unlimited for the very small price of free 99 because uh, I pay for this yearly, so I don't pay for it every week. And truly, this week, there is a pile of comics. And the best part about it is, most of them are great. So, uh, before we jump into this, I want to remind everybody about the comics that are coming out this Wednesday. Like I said, the new Friday, because uh, specifically because of Jonathan Hickman at this point. But uh, this week on Wednesday, we've got Power Pack, Grow Up, issue number one, which is a one-shot. If you like Power Pack, maybe check that out. We've got Star Wars, Age of the Resistance, General Hux, issue number one. I'm, I'm not going to say that. It's a one-shot. Uh, Star Wars, Age of the Resistance, Poe Dameron as well. So we're getting a, a double a double hit now as well. Um, Tom Taylor is doing General Hux. So if you're a fan of Tom Taylor, it looks like he's also doing it for, um, for Poe Dameron as well. I think he's written a couple of these. So if you're a fan of his work, those may actually turn out to be really good. I won't know until six months from now when they show up on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, we've got Spider Marvel Spider-Man Velocity number one. This is uh, looks like the new ongoing for the Spider-Man video game character. Could be cool. It's part of the Gamerverse. We've got another cash grab annual of She-Hulk annual number one, Acts of Evil tie-in. Like I said, um, has nothing to do with anything currently going on with She-Hulk. She-Hulk doesn't even have a comic book out right now. So why is she getting an annual? Oh, because it's uh, the year of the villain at Marvel. And who is She-Hulk fighting? None other than Bullseye, her uh, her arch nemesis. No, that's because, um, like I said last time, all of these Acts of Evil annuals all include a villain that the person doesn't typically handle, which sounds interesting. And like I said, I I said I wouldn't check these out on Marvel Unlimited, and that's not true because a Klein tries everything once, and I will read the first issue. And if it's good, I may continue reading. If not, I won't. And then for some reason, and any of you guys out here are aficionados in Monsters, but there is a one-shot called Monsters that's coming out by Cullen Bunn. And um, if I'm in, if I, I might be wrong, but I think Marvel did some weird monster sort of initiative like a year ago. It's on Marvel Unlimited. There were a couple of like, oh, what's going on with Fing Fang Foom and the Devil Dinosaur and all that stuff. And I think Cullen Bunn wrote those as well. So he's kind of uh, he's kind of twisted. He likes his monsters, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm. Again, it's I always want like I would love that'd probably be the first thing I would ask Cullen when I'm at uh, um, the next Comic Con when I meet him. I'd say, "Hey, Cully, let me ask you a question. Why are you so obsessed with monsters, and why does Marvel feel the need to punish or pun, punish interesting? Uh, why does Marvel feel the need to publish one-shot monster comics? This is called Marvel Monsters Number One. Is it good? I don't know. I just that seems strange to me." Where, like, what part of the initiative where they're going? Okay, we need we need readers to pick up as many books as possible. I think is probably their plan, right? They, they're a business. They want you to buy as many as possible, but you got to buy the ones you know and the ones you want. And when you throw out random one, like, who's this? I would love to know who the target market is for this because based on the cover and whatnot, I would say young teens. But what young teens are going to read this? I, I don't know. And and who knows? It could be great. I don't know. Check it out. Let me know. Uh, then we've got a tie-in for Absolute Carnage, Lethal Protectors. It uh, looks like it has Iron Fist, Cloak and Dagger, and Morbius. So if any of those guys are interesting to you, check that out. Also, Absolute Carnage, Miles Morales, number one. Don't know if that's a one-shotter for a little quick thing during Absolute Carnage, but uh, that's there. That exists. Amazing Spider-Man, Venom 3D. That is a 3D comic and uh, of issue 300. The uh, it's the one with uh, the the black suit. Now, when it comes to these three D issues, guys, you're uh, you're welcome. I bit the bullet, and I purchased a long time ago the Thor three D comic 
that uh, came out. It was probably back in May, maybe, May or April. Um, and I didn't like it. And I, I was bummed because it was the Jason Aaron Thor, the first Thor with, uh, it was uh, Thor 700, I think, the one with Jane Foster where she's Thor. And um, it, I just, I didn't get it. I, it comes with a pair of 3D glasses. The book's five, it might, it's either five or six ninety nine. It's really expensive. And um, it did not feel like 3D to me. It felt kind of weird. I was, there was a couple of spots I think that I was like, that's pretty cool. But for the rest of it, I was like, this is just, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know. I, I had a weird, a weird experience with it. So if any of you guys have had a different one, let me know. Explain to me why, because I, I don't get it. Big one, number one, the first comic that we've got here that I'm reading. That's Absolute Carnage, number two. Uh, and by first comic that I'm reading, I mean it's the first comic of all of these comics that I will be getting from the comic shop. Because in reality, the first comic that I'm going to be reading is House of X, issue number three, by Jonathan Hickman and Pepe Larraz. I have been waiting three weeks for the next House of X issue since the monumental, life-changing events of issue number two. And then obviously we got some Powers of Ten in there as well. And I skipped ahead as well. I apologize, Al Ewing, but we've got a Mortal Hulk director's cut issue number two. If you're into those director's cuts, this issue is actually my favorite issue of the series, and that is because there is a very interesting quote in here by the evil doctor that sums up his opinions on death, and it is the closest thing that I have ever read that has been similar to my views on death. And not in a like everyone should die sort of thing. Read it. It's 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 really sad. And I, I mean, don't put pity on me. Obviously, I, you know, I've got my own things to figure out. But basically, just goes into saying how you you're you're in a complete state of nothingness, and you know everything you've learned, everything you've remembered, suddenly is instantly forgotten because you're dead, right? Like it's all gone. And it's so hard to figure that out in my head. But when I read that, I, I like I got chills when I read it. I was like, holy cow, wow, this. Al Ewing gets it, like he gets me, and that's why I love this this run. He's just, he's such a good writer, and so it was a really that and it's a first appearance of the uh, what is it the the evil doctor guy that's in these first few issues, and uh, it's weird. It's like it is, but it isn't. I don't know. It's selling for a lot of money on eBay. So if you want the director's cut, check it out. You're gonna get a bunch of bonus footage in there. We've got Star Wars Galaxy's Edge issue number five. And then that's based off of the ride. So that is a um, cash grab. And then Marvel Team Up, issue number five. It's Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel this time around. We've got Thanos, issue number five as well. Along with Spider-Man Life Story, number six of six. And this is the tens, the 2010s. So I believe this is the last issue of his uh, Chip Zdarsky's Spider-Man run. Or his little Spider-Man Life Story. Like I said before, these are premier priced, and I haven't been told any different because I haven't read any of the issues yet, and that means they are $4.99 for a 32-page comic, when most $4.99 comics are uh, 48 pages, so or in the, this day and age, 40 pages. So we'll see uh, when it comes to Marvel Unlimited. I'm really excited to check out that issue. I love Chip Zdarsky. Mark Bagley's doing the pencils. I love him, and I love me some Spider-Man. Speaking of which, the Spider-Man good times keep on rolling. We've got Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, issue number 11. Guys, I read issue number 3 today in Marvel Unlimited, and let's just say, oh man, let's just confirm it right here. Juan Cabal is still doing art on issue 11. His art is drop-dead gorgeous. It's insane. I haven't I haven't been this um, this passionate about an artist in a, in a while. I mean, there's a lot of great artists out there, but the fact that he's only doing Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, it doesn't surprise me, but it also shocks me because it's so good. I could see why he only needs to focus on one story at a time. But at the same time, I don't know why Marvel is not like, we'll pay you a million dollars to write all our stories because, uh, excuse me, he has that crystal clear art that I love, that um, I first fell in love with was Steve McNiven on his Civil War run, where it's just, it's hyper lifelike, where it just, it's, it's, the lines are crisp, the colors are crisp, it just feels like, I don't know, it feels like a cut above in my eyes. And then uh, we got Captain America issue number 13, that's by Ta-Nehisi Coates, and that series has been really fun to read on Marvel Unlimited. We've got Black Panther issue number 15, the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda. We've got the next one I'll be reading, which is Thor, 
issue number 16. That's the final issue in Jason Aaron's Thor run before he does the four-issue King Thor. Really excited to see what's going on in this. Uh, just as in, you know, for a wrap-up, the covers just looks like a photo of Thor's family. So this could, this could something interesting could happen. Again, it's the last issue, so I'll be letting you guys know on Wednesday what I think about that, along with Venom, issue number 17 by Donnie Cates and Eben Coelho. This is an absolute carnage tie-in, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Cates does with this. We've been in a weird spot ever since War of the Realms. Venom was written by Cullen Bunn. He Cully loves uh, uh, Venom as well. He did some Venom in the past. Great Venom writer, too. He did a great job. I really enjoyed that. But he did three issues. And then issue 16 was sort of like a, hey, in case you guys forgot what's been going on in Venom, here's what's been, like a, you know, like a clip show type thing. So I'm really interested to see what Kate's has in store for Venom, especially when this is coming out with Absolute Carnage volume or issue two. So it'll be cool to see, you know, if he can still pull off this great writing that he's got. Spoiler alert, Venom issue number 11 is on Marvel Unlimited today as well. Along with the following one, Doctor Strange issue 18 is out along with Avengers, issue 23, and Runaways, issue 24, The Amazing Spider-Man, issue 28, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, issue 46, and then the one you've all been waiting for, Marvel Comics, issue 1000. And that is by just a cavalcade of writers, artists, creators. The the, uh, cover itself says 80 years... 80 creative teams, one universe. And uh, so that'll be that'll be interesting. Unfortunately, I am not reading that when it comes out. Uh, I pre-ordered it on Midtown, so I will be getting that uh, next month, right? Actually, so, so no, not I mean, this is, and see, this is the one part I do enjoy, sort of, because if I was getting that monthly rolling uh, calendar with Midtown by the end of the month, I would have this comic by uh, either by this week or sometime next week. Whereas I'm going to wait another two weeks. But the good news is the next two weeks of comics I will also get. So it's not the worst thing in the world. So with that said, let's move into our comics of the day or of the week. So this week it says there are 49 new comics today. So buckle up, guys. I hope you've got some time to listen to this podcast because I am going through all 49 comics. Starting with comic number 49. All the way at the back, this is Marvel Spotlight, The Son of Satan, issue number 12, October 1st, 1973. Just kidding, just, I'm totally kidding, I'm not going through all these. But there, were, like I said, there were a ton coming out this week. So, real quickly, this week we've got Age of X-Men, The Amazing Nightcrawler, Avengers, issue 15, Avengers, No Road Home, issue 2, Black Order, issue 4, Black Widow, issue 2. There's the Dazzler Facsimile Edition, Issue 1. I'm not doing that one. Uh, Doctor Strange, Issue 11. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, Issue 3. Guardians of the Galaxy, Issue 2. Hulk Vereens, Issue 1. Jessica Jones, uh, Marvel on Digital Comic. And also League of Legends, Ash War Mother Special. I'm not doing either of those either. Love Romances, Issue 1. Marvel's Avengers Endgame Prelude, Issue 3. Of 3. So that must mean something big happens in that issue, right? Well, hang on a minute and I'll let you know. Uh, Miles Morales, issue number three. Old Man Quill, issue number two. Return of Wolverine, issue five of five. Shuri, issue five. I won't be reading that. Solo, Star Wars, five of five. Won't be reading that. Unstoppable Wasp, issue five. Uncanny X-Men, issue 12. Venom, issue 11. And Wolverine Infinity Watch, issue one. Like I said, we've got a lot to cover today, so let's dive right into it. We'll start at the beginning. We've got the Amazing Nightcrawler, issue number one of one. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this one. So this one is written by Sean McGuire with art by Juan Frigeri, color art by Dono Sanchez Almara, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So it says a perfect world still needs entertainment in this golden age of Hollywood. Studio X and its contract players are there to provide glitz and glamour and virtues for everyone to aspire to. 
So this was a, I, like I said, I've been pleasantly surprised with all these Age of X-Men stories. Would they have been ones that even after reading the first issue, I would have continued purchasing in store? Um, probably not, because I didn't, I didn't, you know, that's a, a weird way to ask it, I don't know who asked that, it wasn't me, but, um, no, they're, they're really good, they're really good, they, um, the story is about Nightcrawler, and in this new universe of Age of X-Men, he is a movie star, and he is the most famous man in the world, and so we get to see him kind of doing some acting, and then we get to see what his life is like right now, and it's literally just him, being loved on and adored by fans he gets to go to parties he's got girls crushing on him and uh we also get a call from gene gray at the x sanctuary saying hey when are you coming home and he's like oh you know I, i'm everything's fine i've just i've got a lot going on here and she's like all right well you know everyone needs you and it's like yeah there's kind of a theme there basically everyone needs nightcrawler everybody wants him and so by the end of this issue, it's weird. Nothing really happens in this issue, which is kind of interesting. You you get to see that, uh, you just kind of get to see in a day in the life of what it would be like as my favorite X-Man, Nightcrawler, um, what would it be like if everybody loved him? Because he's like the one guy that no one ever likes because he's blue, he's got three fingers, he's got a tail, um, all that stuff. And it's like, you know, finally he's getting his day in the sun. And so... You know, I mean, and it's not even really a spoiler. This last page is just a, you know, he just got done um, hanging out with a, a friend of his. And, uh, I mean, you look at the panel for yourself, but it says, he says, we live in a perfect world. That doesn't make us perfect mutants. This is the trouble with having everything. You have so very much to lose. And that's it. And it says to be continued. So I'm very interested to see where this series goes just to find out what's What's going to really make his world a nightmare? Because it sounds like everything's going really well in his world, in the world of Kurt Wagner. Kurt Wagner. But uh, next up is The Avengers, issue 15. I want to point out the cover of this comic has that devil dog from the last issue saying, Buy this comic or we'll kill this Avenger. So the assumption can be made without spoilers that if you purchase this comic, Ghost Rider, the person they're pointing to, won't die. And that's true. He doesn't die in this issue because, you know, we, I will, I, I did it for you guys. I bought this comic in real time six months ago. So I saved Ghost Rider. I've, I've got that on my resume. I saved him. Uh, and I'm sure a couple of other people did too. But this is just a continuation of that prior story. So the, uh, the Legion of the Undead is, uh, they're unliving. They're in. Uh, Avengers Tower, kind of fighting the Avengers. They corrupted Ghost Rider. He's now this giant demon, and they escape. They basically escape, and the Avengers lose him. And then, uh, since you guys all read that last issue, uh, we now found out that Dracula, that's who I was talking about, and the end of the last issue, has uh, turned himself in to federal prison in Russia. And, um, you know, you know, there's got to be something up with him, but we don't know. And at this point, it's really hard to tell. I know, obviously, I've read all these issues, but it, it, I loved reading this specific issue because he brings up a lot of good points of like, you know, I just kind of just want to be right here right now, which, you know, right, makes sense because there's a bunch of people out there killing vampires. So he wants to just kind of sit here, watch the world burn and safety and he lives forever. So it's like he's not in a hurry. And then there's a big prison riot. And same thing, Dracula's like, I don't really, he's not trying to escape, but all these vampires are dying, it's, it, honestly, I love this story, like, this whole story is great, the art is killer, David Marquez, and I, I know I skipped that because, uh, the way they do their title pages is a little different, but Jason Aaron Wright writes this with David Marquez doing the art, color art by Eric Arseniega, and then letters by VCs, Clayton Cowles, I was waiting for him to come back, what's up, Clayton? And, uh, so yeah, they, they do that and we kind of figure out what's going on with Ghost Rider. And then this is essentially setting up a big fight between Ghost Rider and the Avengers. That's the, that's the end of this issue with a great final splash page showing Captain Marvel, Blade, Thor, and Captain America getting ready to fight. Um, like I said, David Marquez's art is, his is right up there. And in terms of like when I said about Juan Cabal, 
Um, David Marquez is right there with him too. The only difference is obviously this art is a little less crisp because you know there's a lot of things going on here, like fires and explosions and stuff. But yeah, I would this is be this would be a series where if you're already on it, you know what I'm talking about. But overall, get on this series. Speaking of getting on a series, Avengers No Road Home issue number two. Guys, I told you to jump on an issue number one, and it's not too late. Issue number one is still on here. It's still free, and uh, issue number two did not disappoint. I, I, Like I said, I love these weekly stories where, um, you know, sometimes you kind of forget what's going on after a month, and it's like, oh, you know, oh, that's right, that happened. This is one thing I don't like about comics. I wish they kind of released them all at the same time, like Netflix, but um, or in like a graphic novel format. But this is the closest thing you're going to get, which is once a week. So, Avengers No Road Home, Issue 2, written by Al Ewing, Jim Zub, and Mark Wade, the Dream Team, penciled by Paco Medina, inked by Juan Velasco, color art by Jesus Aburtov, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. And uh, in terms of being petite, absolutely not in this case. There's a lot of writing and there's a lot of talking in this issue, and it's for the best because the I forgot to mention last week, but the best thing about the, these issues, because this is what happened in No Surrender as well, the prior the prior series, is each issue a different Avengers character narrates it. So this issue is narrated by Hawkeye, and we get to learn some pretty cool. Like it's pretty cool, but the, one of the cool things is it opens up with uh, Voyager. Um, with Challenger, the guy that lost at the end of the last thing. He's imprisoned, but she's hanging out with him, kind of showing him what's going on in the world. And then we kind of just get a backstory of what happened with Nyx, who I even, shouldn't even be saying her name, because if you do, she shows up and kills you. And she's got a little family of evil people. You get to see her kill all of Mount Olympus, which was the the spoiler at the end of the last issue. And uh, it's rough. It's rough. She is super powerful, and she makes a clear point to say that she is not that powerful because she's got some shards of her soul that are missing that Zeus hid, and um, I'm sure she's going to try and find. But that's what that's what brings uh, Voyager trying to decide, okay, time to reform the Avengers, sort of. So it's because of this, because of Nyx. And so we get to this point where all the Avengers are fighting Nyx. Doesn't, no one seems to be a match for her, including the Hulk, which is kind of shocking. But... Um, Voyager eventually finds out, oh, you know, the uh, the shards, that's what she's after. Like, let's go get them. And so she starts shooting portals off to send people off to get their shards or, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Hawkeye wakes up in the hospital. And I don't know what's going on at this point. So, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of dialogue in here um, that's really good if you're wanting some really good character development with Hawkeye. And overall, like I said, kick-ass issue. I, I love this Avengers No Road Home series. And I, I love when there's new... New characters who are made out to be really bad, like Nyx is a great villain. She is very interesting. I'm really looking forward to that series, and like I said, I really hope you guys jump on it as well. And uh, if those spoilers uh, didn't bother you in that issue, I'm just going to advise you guys that I will be talking semi-spoilers for most of these. As you know, I'm going to probably keep some of that off. There's things I don't like spoiling for people, but certain story bits and whatnot, that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at. So, The Black Order, issue number four. Uh, this is by uh, written by Derek Landy, penciled by Philip Tan, inked by uh, Mark Deering with Scott Hanna, Guillermo Ortega, and Lee Bao Underwood with color art by J. David Ramos and letters by all VCs Clayton Cowles. We've got him, guys. He's it's round two. Um, shocking that I love the Black Order. They when Hickman created them back in the day. They, I just, the fact, they all just looked cool. They were scary. They were evil. This series has done a really good job to, to go in the opposite direction of that. And I mean that in every sense of the word. So this series has been a uh, very miss for me. And I'm bummed to say that. I'm really sad to say that because, like I said, I love these characters. Corvus, Proxima, Black Swan, Black Dwarf, and Ebony Maw. And you may know Black Dwarf as Cull Obsidian from um, from the MCU, but they're in this, and it's, I don't know. They just some of them are made out to be kind of funny, and uh, what's been interesting too, much like No Road Home and No Surrender, each issue of this five issue miniseries is narrated by one of the Black Order, and so this issue is narrated by Black Swan. She tells this really weird story. That makes absolutely no sense with the situation. And where we're at currently here is 
and I, you know, I could read to you what it says here in the the back, you know, the the catch up piece of it, the recap. But even then, it's it's uh, you know, here's what I'll say: if you really like the Black Order, I would ask you to at least just check out one or two issues of this and let me know if you feel the same way I do, because I just I'm really unimpressed with this issue, these issues. Um, there's this society that uh, has a king who's like super trying to be super funny but isn't but is also super evil and he shoots this arrow that can subjugate an entire planet and the people infected will do whatever he says even though they will have full control of themselves it's like they're essentially instantly loyal and what happens is nova is a law is become completely loyal and this is richard Ryder nova and so he's trying to stop the um the Black Order, they're trying to take them down to do something. I, I mean, it's really hard to follow, but he's like, ooh, there's a spy on their team who uh, has been giving me coordinates. We found out where they are. Nova, go get him. And so you're like, ooh, who's the spy? Is it Ebony Maw? Probably, right? Well, it is. It's Ebony Maw. Um, no surprise there because he's all full of deception. But look at this. I, I'm just going to show you one thing here because where is it? Um, dialogue from Nova. Um, he basically comes down. And so, like I said, this whole time, the, the narration is Black Swan telling the story of her growing up and getting bit by a wolf. And her brother's like, if you promise never to go out there to get bit by a wolf again, I'll show you essentially what makes her become Black Swan, which is cool. And so she's like, well, so then that she's like, well, then later on that wolf came back and I didn't kill it because I realized that that violence that he showed me in the beginning was a seed. And that seed planted um, in me, yada, yada, yada. Now I have a family. Like, it's, okay, is it supposed to be an amalgam for Nova? Because uh, Nova comes here and he says, he's fighting Corvus. He says, wow, calm down, will you? And then Nova says, I'm not even here for you idiots. I'm here for the peacemaker. And um, he literally grabs this guy, the peacemaker, I don't know why, and leaves and says, kill you later, dudes. And that's... Who, when's the last time you heard Nova say, kill you later, dudes? I just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. And uh, we've only got one more issue. I'm going to probably scan through it so that, like I said, this, this is the best service in the world because it's free. You pay your yearly dues and it's free. So the only reason you shouldn't be reading anything on here is due to time, due to time constraints. You don't have time for something. I certainly don't want you wasting your time on this issue, if uh, based on what I've seen it. But I'm gonna—I'll touch on the next one just to see if it finishes right. But who knows? I—I I don't know if it will or not. Here's another one that's kind of on the fence for me as well. This is Black Widow issue number two, written by the Soska sisters, Jen and Sylvia Soska, with art by Flaviano and color art by Veronica Gandini, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So. Um, this is a five. It's a it's a it's a five issue. I think they originally said that it was going to be an ongoing, and I think it didn't do so well. But um, as she's on Madripoor. It says Black Widow traveled to Madripoor, a nation of criminals, to unleash her bottled up rage on someone deserving because she had just died and now she's you know back because there were clone, clones and stuff. After shaking some trees and picking some fights, Natasha found an ally and local peacekeeper, Tiger Tiger, and a mission. Tiger shows Natasha the website No Restraints Play, a place where customers bid on directing live torture sessions. Before Widow could take the fight to No Restraints Play, the fight came to her. A local crime lord arrived, looking for revenge against Natasha, beating his men, a revenge he described as No Restraints Play. And that's exactly what happens in here. So if you're looking for uh, revenge and Black Widow beating the crap out of a bunch of people, check it out for sure. And then by the end of it, we get a little bit about child endangerment. It's kind of actually kind of sad. I'm surprised that this issue is rated what it's rated. I think it's rated Teen Plus. I feel like it should be rated parental advisory uh, just because the themes in here are kind of dark. But uh, I don't know what they're planning to accomplish by the end of this. She's about to kill these like sex traffickers, I guess, and Madame Mask shows up. I'm, I, I'll say this. I'm interested. I definitely want to check out the next issue because you can't really leave on that kind of cliffhanger. Um, so I'm certainly, certainly interested for that one. But uh, let's get into some ones that I really loved. We're about to hit hit a gold mine here. We've got Doctor Strange issue 11. 
I have been loving this series. It is so good. And this is Remittance Part 2. So if you read last month's um, oversized 400th issue, um, you'll know that uh, Dr. Stephen Trains has returned from his adventures across the galaxy only to find his mentor, the Ancient One, half-dead on his stoop. His living, give, his life-giving powers having been repossessed by a magical accountant. Strange learned that it is his use of alien magic has racked up a massive magical debt. Now, Strange and his associates face the Faltine, a race of monsters from the Dark Dimension who have come to collect. Written by Mark Wade, art by Jesus with Javier Pina, color art by Jesus Saiz and Rachel Rosenberg, or Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by VCs Corey Petit. And, uh, yeah, the art is just, it's drop-dead gorgeous, and it is a great issue. It's so good. He fights Dormammu along with a his team of people, which include Wong and uh, his libra- his prior librarian, who, her name is, uh, her name is, I'm blanking on her name. It's like Zora or something like that. I'm even trying to look in the back end. I don't think it's in there. And then his new friend that he made as well, the Cat Lady. And I, I don't think they mentioned her name as well. But um, they all kind of tag team to fight. There's some, there's a, it's a really good fight too. There's, whenever it's Doctor Strange, there's always an interesting twist to the fight or an interesting sort of nuance to the fight. This one doesn't disappoint. I gotta tell you, it's so good. And the issue ends on a really strange note. Oh, it's Zelma. That's her name. And uh, Zelma. Uh, has a new status quo by the end of this, a very interesting status quo, along with a new status quo for the Ancient One and sort of a new status quo for her uh, his his cat friend, who, like I said, still is not saying her name. But um, then, even more so, it says at the end, instead of to be continued, it says next Galactus. Come on, guys. Hop on this comic right now because I love Galactus. You know I'm going to be really looking forward to Galactus coming up, showing up. Uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, issue number three. This is written by Tom Taylor with art by Juan Cabal. Color art by Nolan Woodard and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this is a really, like I said already, the art in here is just, I'm not going to, I don't need to say it again. You buy this, or you don't even have to buy it. Check it out just for the art. But uh, it's a really cool story about Spider-Man and this new hero named The Rumor. And they go into the, and, and I'll tell you this much, guys, as a spoiler, the panel of the week on Inst- my Instagram, it's coming from this book. But uh, they go into this underground city called under york that's like miles under the earth and it's like a complete exact replica of new york and it's really i mean the way the rumor explains it is really interesting it's just it's the whole story is interesting there's just so many questions not enough answers but the whole time you're just i mean there's a panel of spider-man shooting webs from both he's he's got one arm pointed up to catch onto a building the other arm pointed down to catch a person and you're getting Juan Cabal's perfect drawing of Spider-Man along with him holding both of his hands proper with fingers pointed out and both of them say thwip thwip. It's perfect. You can't miss it. Just that alone is is a standout. But um, yeah, I would highly recommend checking out this issue, jumping on to at such a young spot. Tom Taylor's got some good plans and clearly this this is going. So we're on issue 11 coming out and there's solicitations for issue up to issue 13. So this friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is sticking around. Next up is Guardians of the Galaxy, issue number two. That's by Donnie Cates with art by Jeff Shaw and um, colors by Marte Gracia, lettered by VCs Corey Petit. And uh, like I said, Guardians is killing it. Guardians is doing really good. Uh, Donny Cates has a really good grasp on writing Peter Quill. And like I said, on writing everybody in this in this whole Guardians universe. And he truly touches on everybody in this issue. We get to see Peter talking with Kitty Pride. Uh, we get to see the Black Order. And we get to see the new big villain who is Hella. So call me Hella excited for this because... I uh, she's one of my favorite villains. I was so happy to see her in Ragnarok. She looks great in this series. Um, you get to see Moondragon and Philovel as well. Uh, great writing for them too. Everyone's kind of going stir crazy on the Guardian ship. You get you get to see Cosmic Ghost Rider and Groot, Beta Ray Bill. Come on, guys. Do you need any more? You, oh, you do. You do. Okay, fine. Well, we got Star Fox 
And you get Wraith. Do you guys remember Wraith from Annihilation? He's in this. And uh, so is Gladiator. God, killing it. No, Nebula's in this too. And by the end of it, what happens is, at this point, Thanos um, is dead. And he says he transferred his consciousness into someone else's body. So that he basically, you know, obviously he's trying to come back sort of thing. And so everyone's trying to figure out whose body is it? Whose body is he in? And everyone's guess, or at least this group of people's guess, is it's in Gamora. And so their their plan is we must kill Gamora. And they're like, well, how can we do that? And they're like, well, maybe we can... Um, uh, maybe we can like find someone who she cares about and, and do that. And so it's like, cool. So by the end of it, you find out who that person is. And I think you guys will be pleasantly surprised because no joke, just this one panel of this person is 10 times better than the entire story that they were being described in, in black order issue number four, which just goes to show the power of, you know, being able to properly write a character and no, no disrespect to the writer of, uh, of this black order. Honestly, I, I would be curious to see why Marvel even wanted to have the black order series anyway. I know it kind of spun out of, uh, Avengers, no surrender, but regardless, there's still just a lot of questions as to why it even needed to exist. Speaking of comics that people are probably going to question why they even need to exist, Hulk Vereen's issue number one, and it says on the title, Hulk plus Wolverine plus Weapon H equals Hulk Vereen's. And then in parentheses underneath it says, come on, you know you love it. How how much of a cash grab do you think that is, guys? Is that clearly a cash grab? Am I crazy? Well, this is a part one of three. So it's a three-issue story. Greg Pak is writing it along with art by Ario Andito, color by Maury um, Hollowell with Andrew Crossley, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And um, yeah, so this is essentially, and I I was, I, I read Weapon H. I read the first, I think, six or seven issues of Weapon H. I actually enjoyed it, but I just kind of got, there's... There's only so much story you can tell about a person who is both the Hulk and Wolverine. And somehow, enough people enjoyed that to where they now are going to tell a story with the Hulk, Wolverine, and the Hulk Wolverine, Weapon H himself. Uh, so, I, like I said, I scrolled through some bits of this. The art is really good. I'll say that much, and the story is pretty interesting too. But at the end of the day, if you're wanting it to see a giant fight between the Hulk and Weapon H, yeah, you've come to the right spot. It's a pretty big fight, and it's powerful. But if you're looking to see Wolverine, he's not even in this issue until the last the last part. And, okay, I'll tell you this much. The bad guy's the leader at this point is involved. Weapon H is trying to kill the leader, and Wolverine stops him. And he says, normally don't, normally don't butt in on someone else's fight like this, but I'll make an exception for chumps who are biting my style. And it's like, what? Oh, God, and it says, to be claw-tenued. You're welcome, guys. If this is what you wanted, you're welcome. I will say this. It looks like the covers are by Greg Land, though, and he's, uh, he's a superstar. All right, Love and Romance is issue number one. This is going to be a real brief one, guys, because... Like I said, this is part of the 80 years of Marvel. We've talked about Gunhawks. We've talked about um, Journey into the Unknown. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do a review on here of Crypt of Shadows. I really liked that one. This one's a little... <clears throat> I'll say, in terms of hit and miss, this one is 100% hit and miss uh, because there's four stories in here. We've got The Widow and the Clockwork Heart by Gail Simone, Roge Antonio, and Jim Charalampidus. And then we've got Heartbroken from Beyond by Margot Moten and Paco Dorling Carter. Story and art by Lee Loffridge. And, oh, that's story and art. And Lee Loffridge does color art. French Quartered by Dennis Hopeless Hallam, Anna Paola Martello, and Jim Charlampidus. Again, color art. And then Gone Like the Wind, John Adams, story and art, Tamara Bonvalin, color art, VCs Travis Lanham, letters. Here's what I'll say. These stories are short. They are not memorable. And that's I say that because I purchased uh, two copies of the Russell Dowderman variant cover because it was that beautiful. And uh, I read through it once, didn't remember what I read, and I read I like uh, kind of quickly went through it again and completely forgot it again. 
so there, most of these are hit and miss. But one, there was one here that I really like, which is, and let's see if I can even guess which one it is. Uh, Widow in the Clockwork Heart. That one is about, I believe that's about a girl who finds out she's a robot. Heartbroken from Beyond. That's the one I really like. French Quartered and Gone Like a Wind are the other ones. So this one is, there's no words. It's four, five. It's five pages long. And it's just about a guy dealing with the death of the one he loves. And it's really sad to watch or to look through. It's it's very, but it's 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 good, I would say. I would check it out just for this story. The other stories are, yeah, I mean, they're, what happens in this one? Oh, there's a murder, and then this one's a robot. You know, love and romance kind of thing. <laughs> uh, if you're if you're if you're busy, don't bother reading this. You you don't need to. But if you're wanting to check something out, bored, maybe in the middle of the night, maybe do so. I guys, I'm I just want to point this out. I, I I don't know if you've been listening or not, but I'm killing it with these segues. And so, speaking of stories that are boring and pointless, we are moving on to Avengers Endgame Prelude Limited Series Issue Three of Three. Um, a while back, someone had asked me what um what the point of these were, or you know, do these tie into the movies, that sort of thing. And I'm here to tell you they don't. Or no, I'm here to tell you that they do. They do, but uh, not in the way you'd want them to. Ooh, Avengers Endgame Prelude, issue number three of three. Alex, man, that probably means that in those first two issues, we got some bombshell reveals. We got some twists and turns and things that are going to enhance my viewing of Avengers Endgame. Nope, no sir, not at all. Based on the screenplay by Christopher Marcus and Steve McFeely, uh, Gods Amongst Men, uh, written by Will Corona Pilgrim, who I don't know personally, but I know is the unfortunate guy who has to write all of these comics. Uh, he does almost all of them, the all of the prelude comics. Art by Paco Diaz, colors by Dono Sanchez Almara, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Wow, good for you, dude. You're even jumping in here. Guys, I'm not even I don't even need to tell you what happens in this other than to tell you that the first panel says Titan. I'm going to ask you this one time. Where is Gamora? Yeah, I'll do you one better. Who is Gamora? I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? And then the final panel of this one is Oop, oop, nope, the final panel technically is teasing the Far From Home prelude. You can probably guess what that one is. Nope, the final panel on here is all of the heroes disappearing into dust and Thanos smiling on a grateful universe. And that's it. So um, for those of you who maybe didn't hear my response, on, I think it was on Twitter, these prelude comics essentially are just tie-in comics to the prior movie. So the Avengers Endgame 1 through 3 is just a retelling of Avengers Infinity War shot for shot. Line for line. So that's why it's like, okay, well, Will Corona Pilgrim's the one writing this, but it's literally Christopher Marcus and is and Steve McFilly's script. So and it's 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 so much worse, guys, because look, I'm looking here at the last, what is this? Yeah, last three pages. Uh, we got, for, and I'm not going to even, you know what they say by now. It's Thanos looking down at Wanda and says, uh, today I lost more than you can know, but now is no time to mourn. Now is no time at all. That's the second panel. Third panel, Wanda going, no. And then uh, fourth panel, Thanos taking the stone out. Fifth panel, axe coming at Thanos. Next panel, Thor coming down. Next panel, Thanos saying, you should have gone for the head. Then the next page, all it says on the, the whole page is black. It just says snap. Then it says, daughter, you did it? Yes. What did it cost? Everything. And then the next panel, what did you do? Next panel is just a kind of quick splash panel of all of the heroes disappearing at the same time. Steve, up, General, up. This is no place to die. I am Groot. Quill? Oh, man. Tony, there is no other way. Mr. Stark, I don't want to go, please. Oh, that, but that, see, that is too soon right now for the, with the Sony news. Guys, come on. And then the final small panel is him smiling. Like I said, Huge waste of time. Don't, I, I'm going to tell you this right now. This is, this is very few comics that I would tell you not to read. Don't read this comic. And that's because you have, you guys, come on, you have Avengers Endgame. It just came. No, no, you have Infinity War. You've had it for a year. Go watch Infinity War. You'll probably enjoy that better, even having watched it as many times as you've watched it. Better than this comic. Hands down. Do not read that comic. Alert, alert. Uh, next up, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, issue number three, by Saladin Ahmed, writer, uh, art by Javier Garon, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. 
Uh, another very interesting story. Uh, I'm kind of liking this direction for this new Spider-Man book. Um, after I think ben, this was after Bendis was done with it or something. But uh, essentially, a bunch of kids have been kidnapped. And if you guys like team-ups, this bo- this uh, issue and this series so far has been a team-up between Miles Morales, Captain America, and Rhino. You heard me correctly. So uh, we get some great uh, banter between Rhino and Captain America, between Miles and Captain America, Miles and Rhino. Uh, and they're basically trying to save these kids who it seems like have been hypnotized, brainwashed, and somehow have superpowers. And the reason they're all tag-teaming is because Captain America got a call from his congresswoman uh, asking for an assist, Miles's friend from school is missing, and Rhino's niece is missing. So it's like they all had sta- a stake in this, which is really cool. And so we find out who the person is that's behind all this, some new villain. Won't spoil that because it was pretty interesting. The fight was really interesting too. And like I said, the best part about this is uh, it's really well written, and we get to see some of Miles's personal life too. Um, I jump is issue number three. I would jump on this for sure. Speaking of easy comics to jump onto, we've got issue two of Old Man Quill. Uh, guys, I said I was into Old Man Quill on issue number two. I am all or on one. I am all in now on issue number two. Uh, this is called In the Court of the Crimson King, written by Ethan Sachs, art by Robert Gill, color art by Andres Massa, and letters by VC Show Caramanga or Magna. Um, I really don't want to even spoil anything in this one. This I would say if I'm picking top like top five comics of the week, this one's probably in it. I don't want, honestly don't even want to spoil anything in this because it's always cool to see those dystopian or not dystopian type futures uh in the world especially on earth so we're getting this is like in the future obviously because it's old man quill but we get to find out what happened to new york uh and it's pretty intense and this is a parental advisory book and you are gonna get why because it's pretty messed up and then we you get to see the guardians in the wasteland and they fight the uh, oh yeah and my spoil mild spoilers i guess you could say uh okay all mm, okay so so new york is not called new york anymore all i will say is it's called new latveria formerly new babylon formerly new york and let me just say that the leader of new latveria is sitting on a throne that looks to be made of a certain rocky character from the Fantastic Four, which is messed up uh, in a great way. Like, holy crap. But the main uh, the main attraction of this series is the Guardians go up against the Wrecking Crew. And I will just tell you this. If, you're, if you were ever wanting to see a more perfect not underdog fight, but essentially a fight where the good guys wholeheartedly beat the bad guys and and take them away, lock them up. Uh, This isn't going to be your story. Not at all. But if you're wanting to see a story where the heroes kick complete ass and make sure that these bad guys never hurt anybody again, um, all I'm going to say is this book lives up to its parental advisory content. It lives up to its dystopian future ideas of like anything can happen in this book because uh yeah a lot of stuff happens in this book for sure and we leave it on a very interesting um something for issue three so uh i'm really happy that i'm reading this i like i said i I wasn't ever even planning on reading it until marvel unlimited and i'm just i'm happy that it's here there's those certain books that you just feel so good about waiting on that's one of them um Speaking of books that you feel so good about waiting on, um, here's another book that you may feel like you felt um, some time to wait on, Return of Wolverine. This, I've been told, is one of those series where the expectations were so high and it failed. And I don't I don't agree with that, but I also don't disagree with that. So let's let's get into this. This is issue five of five. This is the story of how Wolverine came back from the dead. Written by Charles Sewell, penciled by Steve McNiven, inked by Jay Leistein, and color art by Laura Martin, with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And um, the reason I say that is because I, I uh, Marvel Unlimited, 
all of the Hunt for Wolverine stories that Charles Sewell kind of did that everyone at the time was calling a cash grab, and it was, but what was weird was I actually really enjoyed reading them. I, like, I enjoyed them way, way more than I thought I would. And they were. They were 100% cash grabs because by the end of it, there's no new information. You don't ever find any. Like, the whole hope of it was like, oh, let's find Wolverine. You don't. You don't. All you find out at the very end of the, it's like, was it like four? It was 16 issues total. Out of 16 issues, you just find out that Wolverine ends up in Soterra's hands. And it's this this um, shadow organization. And so what's been happening, there's not even a recap in here. It's chapter five, Heaven. But um, Wolverine essentially was invited up to Soterra's headquarters that are up above the Earth in like a giant satellite. And uh, the villain is Persephone. And and we find out how Wolverine came back. I think you may have even found it out in the last issue. But uh, essentially Persephone's superpower is she is able to bring people back from the dead. But when she brings them back from the dead, they are under her control. So that's how Wolverine came back, was she brought him back from the dead, and he became a slave for her, and he kind of broke his programming, just like every other time, and uh, so her plan's really interesting, because it's super messed up, her plan is to kill everyone on the earth, and then bring them all back as her slaves, so that she can just make the perfect world, Um, and so Wolverine's not having any of it, and uh, so we find out how he kind of escapes... And there's some pretty insane scenes of, like, how far Wolverine will go. Honestly, the coolest thing about this story is Wolverine has no memory because, obviously, he got brainwashed when he died like he's a slave. So when he got released from that, he keeps getting these flashbacks of his old self. Like, there's a there'll be quick panels of, like, Patch. says, let me out. I can help you. And then another one of Wolverine when he was in the army. Choose me, soldier. You need someone watching your six. And then, like, regular Wolverine, I'm the one you need. I have that killer instinct. And he, because he's, like, fighting people. And he's doing a pretty good job fighting them, but he just, whatever. And then there's this weird, like, old man Logan type Wolverine. He's like, bub. And uh, he's like, let me out. You need me. And so he ends up in his head letting out all of the Wolverine except that one. And I don't know why. But um, once he does that, God, he. He's always like fighting this guy and, and is losing and cuts the guy's arm right off and says, Zagreus, I just remembered about a thousand fights I've been in. Ten thousand. Guess how many I lost. And then just eviscerates him. And uh, so, you know, that part, that stuff was super cool. But um, so the whole story, like I said, it's, and then all of a sudden it just ends. Like he, I won't spoil what he does and how he beats them, but essentially it ends with that, and the next one is immediately him at X-Men Mansion ringing the doorbell, and it's like, what, wait, what, how did he even get there, and so then it says, find out what happens next in Wolverine Infinity Watch, to me, that, that just screams out cash grab, because, like, oh, okay, you're not, you aren't able to tell a complete story, you don't know how, is that, is that what it is, or you're just wanting someone to buy another issue, and that, that's a bummer for me, personally, because, I love Charles Sewell. I've loved almost everything that he's done. And it's not that I don't love these Wolverine things that he's done. It's just, I don't know, it's, it, it's, I feel like it was almost like it felt like he had a hand tied behind his back. And so I'm actually, I'll, uh, no, we'll get to it. Wolverine and Infinity Watch is the last one on this list. We've only got a couple more comics too. And so let's see if we can get this done at the hour mark. We've got seven minutes, guys. Can we do it? I think so. Next up, Unstoppable Wasp, issue number five. This is by Jeremy Whitley and art by Girahiru. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And uh, this, uh, like I said, hands down, phenomenal book. I, I, I've read this book already because I purchased these issues as they came out because it is not often that you see a writer or a publisher deal with mental disorders in such a great way that they do in this one where this is a book specifically meant for younger audiences, but it really heavily deals with Nadia Pym, uh, Unstoppable Wasps, uh, bipolar disorder in a really big way. She ends up fighting her teammates because she's not thinking straight, she's really upset, lack of sleep, all this stuff. And so, um, I'm not, and honestly, I don't even want to spoil anything else from this because I, I, I almost cried reading this issue uh, back in the time when I did. And so I would love to, for you guys to check this stuff out too. Like I said, it's a really great story dealing with mental disorder because, um, I mean, even the cover's got it talking about it. The cover is her with uh, the Ant-Man helmet behind her because uh, her dad, uh, Hank Pym, had, had uh, bipolar disorder as well, 
We all remember when he hit his wife. That was uh, something that will live in infamy for the rest of his comic book life. All right, next up, Uncanny X-Men issue 12. Guys, like I said, I'm loving Hickman's work, but I just, I can't help myself. I love this this series. This whole thing has been so good. It's like it's like you're getting an extra bonus X-Men story. So it's like, "Ooh, on Wednesday, like on Wednesdays we wear pink." But uh, for us, for us comic book fans, on Wednesdays we read Hickman. But now on Wednesday, Mondays we read Rosenberg. We read Matthew Rosenberg writing Uncanny X-Men because it's just that good. It's such a good story. Matthew Rosenberg writes it. Salvador LaRocca, great artist, right, uh, artist. Rochelle Rosenberg, color art. VCs Joe Caramagna is letters. And um, it says, this is forever, part two. The X-Men are presumed dead after being wiped out without a trace. Warned of impending death by the clairvoyant mutant blindfold, Cyclops and Wolverine have reconnected to protect mutant kind once again. And they really have. They really have reconnected. They, there's some great scenes with them. And um, they basically have this plan. Cyclops is like, we're not... Is it Cyclops or was it... Uh, um, Wolverine. I'm going to have to double check on this, but one of them says that there's only... Uh, oh, it's Wolverine. Wolverine knows that there's other mutants. And so they make this plan to go bust them out of this prison, basically, where they're being held. And we get to see some cool other mutants who've made it. And just like has been going on in this series, um, we, get, we get a death in here as well of who... And I can't really make out who this character is. I think some of you you True Blood X-Men fans out there will know who this is. Be like, oh, wow. But uh, like I said, it's just kicking into high gear. Straight up action, great story, great writing, and um, hey, we'll find out next week when the next issue comes, um, which is super exciting. I can't wait. Like I said, I don't want to spoil that one much either because that's definitely in my top five for the week. This one, too, could be in my top five, but I read it already, so I kind of want to throw it in there. But This is Venom issue number 11. Um, it's a great issue. And like I said, if you've been reading Venom from the beginning, no reason to stop now because um, things kick into high gear. If you've read Absolute Carnage, you'll know already that Dylan is Eddie Brock's son. This is the issue where we find out that he's Eddie Brock's son. But this is where um, the maker, the uh, ultimate Reed Richards, is kind of trying to take the symbiote off of Eddie Brock. And the symbiote doesn't want anything uh, to do with that. But we just get, this is, like I said, for Absolute Carnage, this run is is a really good buildup. We get to see how Eddie sort of deals with not having a symbiote, which is, is tough. It's like a, having withdrawals when you have an addiction, because that's what the symbiote was for Eddie, was, um, was an addiction. And so that's, a like I said, highly rated issue. Check this run out. You won't be disappointed. And then finally, we've got Wolverine, the Infinity Watch, issue number one. Another really sad attempt at trying to cover up and fix uh, the stuff from Infinity War. So it says, Wolverine is alive. What did he miss when he when he was dead? Um, and by the end, it says, uh, yep, Logan missed pretty major stuff. Or did he? And at the bottom, it says this takes place after Return of Wolverine number five. So not good enough that you have to read Return of Wolverine. Probably should read Infinity Wars as well. And, uh, I mean, this was actually a good refresher as well because some stuff happens in Infinity Wars I forgot about with Wolverine. But even more so, it made me remember the really embarrassing marketing campaign they had for Wolverine a couple uh, years ago during this time when, if you remember, in certain comics, there would be a Where's Wolverine, like, one-page panel of like, oop, he secretly was there at the wedding. Oop, he secretly was doing that. And we find out in this issue why that is or, or where he sort of came from. Uh, because if you remember in Infinity Wars, he had the Space Stone. And he gave, or in Marvel Legacy issue number one, way back when, he had the Space Stone. And so we this is kind of a tag team issue with him and Loki. We get the reveal of who kind of did all of that, and it's a badass reveal, so I, I'm not going to spoil that because that was pretty cool. But the ex expl explanation that he gives was like classic comic books of like, okay, yeah, you're making everything make sense. But honestly, I've never seen a comic that is tied into more things than this issue. This issue ties into Marvel Legacy, Infinity Wars, Thor, um, uh, right, oh, um, Infinity Wars Infinity, the like one shot that took place after it, along with carrying over stuff from and Jerry Doug Jerry guys, I'm so sorry, I didn't even uh, I didn't even say who did this book. 
but uh, that's because, you know, I'm so shook from it. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Andy McDonald, color art by Jordi Belair, letters by VCs Corey Petit. So, like I said, Jerry Duggan kind of did all of that, so he's kind of carrying that forward. And by the end of this issue, I'm going to double check on this. Oh, yeah, we kind of get an interesting development at the end of the issue. issue. I'll tell you this much. I'm going to keep reading this. I, I want to see what happens because I like Wolverine. I like the Infinity Gems, and the cover of that book has Wolverine's claws coming out of the Infinity Gauntlet. So that's cool enough, in my opinion, to check it out. And what did I tell you guys? We are 15 seconds out from the one-hour mark. This is my longest podcast. Uh, is it too long, too short? What do you guys think? Let me know. And if not, I will talk to you guys on Wednesday when we get into those excellent comics that are coming out. So I'm your host, Alex. This is Comics and Cinema. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.